This is the EPLOG audio experience. Every day, almost 8 million pieces of plastic pollution find their way into oceans. That's a big number. And uh, every year we see that the sea face or the beaches get vomited with tons and tons of plastic during monsoon or a high tide. Why is it that we humans want to dump everything into the oceans? Why is it that the plastic is so much abundant? What is the reason that our dependency on plastic doesn't come down? We find all these answers in this episode of Being the Change. Our guest today is not from India. He's from Santa Cruz. Not the one that you find in Bombay, but in California. His name is Christian Shaw and he's the founder and executive director of an NGO called Plastic Tides. Welcome to the show, Christian. It's so good to have you. Thank you, Rohan. It's wonderful to join you today and and get into this issue of plastic pollution. Yes. So I'm quite curious about what you do and I'm sure listeners are also curious about what you're doing to reduce plastic pollution and how are you repurposing things for good. But before that, what does Plastic Tides exactly do? Please, can you tell our listeners? I'd love to. Our mission at Plastic Tides is to inspire and catalyze action toward a plastic-free future Mm -hmm. through adventure, education, and youth empowerment. Right. And so we got our start back in 2014 combining Mm -hmm. adventure and science uh, through stand-up paddleboard research expeditions. And so paddleboarding, stand-up paddleboarding was a a fairly new sport at the time, a rapidly Mm -hmm. growing sport. And uh, as outdoor and water sports enthusiasts, we were looking for a way to uh, pair our our passion for adventure and the outdoors with a desire to protect the environment and get involved with uh, conservation and sustainability. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we we found that uh, a combination of of paddleboarding and science uh, and activism could potentially be a a winning combination. And so uh, we set off on our first expedition around the island of Bermuda. Mm -hmm. And we were researching plastic pollution and filming for an educational web series. Okay. And the goal from the very beginning was really focused on youth and getting youth excited about getting involved and, and learning how they could make a change. Because the reality is that the next generation is really going to be the one to have the, right. the biggest influence. And at the same time, though we rely on our elders, so to speak, and uh, decision makers right now, hmm. there's a lot more open minds uh, in the youth and and they're ready to be educated and, and learn and sort of create right. their understanding of the world um, hmm. from a fresh start. So, right. so from the beginning, we were focused on youth and and that's where our focus remains today. So we're really excited about our youth expeditions and also uh, our work through our Global Youth Mentorship Program, which I'm excited to tell you a lot more about. That's wonderful. Uh, you know, I came across a, a statement from someone. I don't remember whom, but I was just going through it yesterday that our present is the future that is borrowed. Our present is the future that is borrowed. And it's so true. And I think it's just it's a big challenge. Mm. to get people 
in the modern era sometimes to connect to you know what the future means and what it what it means mm. to be sort of living to preserve the future that's where i think for us in a lot of ways connect connecting your well-being in the the now in the present yes. to the well-being of the planet and society in the future i think is the most effective way to address plastic pollution and so we we really try and share with people and educate people about ways that you know approaching or yeah. i should say uh blending sustainability into your life can really improve mm. your life save you money improve yes. your health and well-being mm. you know and all these things while also improving the future for everyone yes absolutely absolutely you said that you combine science and adventure to tackle with plastic pollution so what science is involved here sure so uh we have done a number of different uh scientific research projects over the years uh, mm -hmm. and the the sort of premise behind all of it is using paddle boards which are a somewhat unique vessel in terms of the scientific community mm -hmm. in their low impact and and really agile and can yes. get into places that mm. You know, you can you can do research with a very light footprint, and so mm -hmm. we've developed specific device called mm -hmm. a trawl, which is actually larger versions of this uh, are have been used for years behind sailboats, and are how most of the sort of oceanic plastic pollution data has been collected, mm -hmm. and so we developed a smaller version of this that was specifically made to be pulled behind our paddle boards. And so it skims across the surface of the water mm -hmm. and can collect samples. And we've used this specific device for a number of different projects because you can actually change the size of particles that you're catching mm -hmm. based on the end of it. And so where the water is coming out. And so we've used it to, to measure things, everything from plastic microbeads, which are really small, you know, all the way up to uh, larger macroplastics. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's one of our, our research techniques. And then we've also uh, taken just regular water samples from a number of places around the world, mm -hmm. uh, primarily with our partner, Adventure Scientists. And so they have a global microplastics project. And if you go on their website, they have a really awesome map that mm -hmm. shows you samples from water everywhere from hawaii to west australia to alpine lakes which is right. all places that we've taken samples from and then there's probably thousands mm -hmm. of samples on that mm -hmm. on that site so you can really see the scale of the global microplastic right. issue and, and how right. plastics are getting into the mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. into the air and deposited in places as remote as the you know highest reaches of the himalayas that's right what research are you doing and how, what is the result that you are uh, deducing to? So we're not actually currently engaged in any research because mm. uh, we are primarily an education 
uh, an outreach organization. And so our main focus right now is actually in youth empowerment. And so working directly with students. So uh, some of our students have their own independent research projects. Mm -hmm. However, uh, we are not currently engaging in research Uh, But the research that we've done in the past has been primarily focused on plastic microbeads. Mm -hmm. And so using our trawl um, and, you know, a number of expeditions Mm. uh, sampling microbeads. Right. So your website shows a very interesting stat about day-to-day items, which takes uh, so long to break down and so long to decompose, like something as simple as a plastic bag. 20 years while a bottle takes 450 years straw takes 584 years coffee cups takes 176 years so these are things of daily use and if one person says that uh, how much can i contribute to this pollution while we look at such a big number of 7 billion people across the globe and we multiply with the amount of plastic that is there it's incredible what can be done about that that's a great question. And, you know, the the huge quantities of plastic that we see in a lot of ways do come down to that individual action. Mm. And I just want to also clarify that those numbers, too, that you see on our website, that's really based on the best understanding of plastics breaking down. But mm. but even after that time frame, that plastic has not, for instance, biodegraded in a way that it's being reintegrated into the environment Mm. and ecosystem it's not Mm. you know being broken down and re re reuptaken as nutrients so that's really just the time frame for it to no longer be posing a physical threat to wild wildlife and um, Mm. and sort of the environment in that way but it's still you know broken down and we're still sort of understanding how what actually happens at that sort of hmm. very later stage of the breakdown of plastics is not completely understood. You know, I'll tell you something as simple as a packet of milk is made of plastic. So what can be done about that? And that's that's really where it takes, you know, thinking outside of the box and 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 supporting solutions that are using other materials. So mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the one of the biggest challenges generally with this whole issue is just the the, the momentum behind the oil yes. industry and the plastics industry and the desire to make everything out of plastic. And so, you know, to be competitive with that, you have to have really, really good solutions and mm. you have to have people buying into them. And so yes. I yes. think, you know, like, for instance, a packet of milk being made of plastic uh, here in the United States having a milkman who would come around with glass containers of milk Mm -hmm. uh, and then pick them up, you know, used to be a pretty common thing. And now everyone gets their milk from, from a, you know, a plastic jug at the grocery store. And so that's a great example of where in, in one's in sort of a single solution, which would Mm -hmm. be reverting back to a milkman. Not only are you avoiding that plastic pollution, but you're also regaining that social connection and that yes. and that experience that is, you could argue, um, maybe even more important than the, the the plastic that's being avoided. And so that's a great example of where you know 
leaning in towards some of these solutions can really improve our lives as well. Right. And, um, and so that's, I mean, I don't know, that's probably not maybe as realistic an mm. example, but, but I, I would imagine in India that there's probably opportunities for many people to go to their farmer and get the yes. milk directly from them. Mm. Um, which is another way that, you know, connects you with, the, with where your food is coming from and yes. just creates an appreciation. Cause I think we can both agree too, that when you see a milk in a plastic bag, it's, it devalues that, mm. that, you know, thing, that item. Right. Let's come to the youth mentorship program. Uh, can you talk a bit more about that? How are you creating awareness? What are some of the programs that are being conducted right now? Sure. So we have been working with youth since 2014. Hmm. Uh, that's when we did our first project in Bermuda and hmm. following our 10 day circumnavigation of the island yep. when we were hmm. living off our paddle boards, we immediately started heading out to the schools. And so we had another uh, week, week and a half on Bermuda and we went into, I would say a dozen different schools. Mm. and and were really well received and were able to really open their eyes to not only what was going on in the plastic pollution space and how their island was being affected by it, but what they could do as individual students to address that. And mm. uh, from there, we had students reaching out to us um, to work on projects. And then um, back in the States, we continued doing presentations and so from the very beginning, we've had students who've reached out to us wanting to, you know, take this into their own hands with mm. projects in their school or community. Mm. And so in the past couple of years, we've really refocused all of our organizational energy into this opportunity and, and the potential that these students have and supporting them mm. uh, through successful completion of these projects. And so okay. we connect our students with adult mentors who can guide them through projects and they range from uh, planting an orchard at your mm. school just to provide fresh fruit free from plastic pollution and you know all that sort of industrial process uh, and underutilized space around the school uh, and that combats climate change as well uh, and teaches kids about regenerative agriculture and another big one is uh, focusing on hydration and mm. hydration infrastructure in the school and the culture around that hydration infrastructure. So whether students feel comfortable uh, filling their water bottles, whether students have access to clean water. So mm. the first step being typically testing the water and making sure that water quality is good. And then from there, looking at what sort of access students have to you know, filling their water bottles, having water bottles to begin with, and that sort of thing. And then plastic mm -hmm. utensils are another area that we've put a lot of focus into. And so there's some really cool solutions in that space. There's a few different companies making edible utensils uh, about from some different materials. And then there's, yes. Yes. so you know, and, and some cool companies that are looking at what sort of what is the most appropriate crop to use to make the utensil based on mm -hmm. the area that it's being sold in that sort of thing um, yes. and then you know, a there's a number of other solutions that we can employ in the utensil space and then we have students who come up with unique projects as well and you know mm -hmm. these 
can be very specific research projects, for instance, looking at uh, the effluent, microplastic effluent from laundry machines, mm-hmm. uh, things of that nature. So, yeah, there's a lot right. of different projects and we have uh, about a half dozen project models that we provide to our mentors and students so that they mm-hmm. can, if a student doesn't have their own unique project, then they can work with their mentor to see what might be most appropriate right. mm-hmm. in their given circumstance. So any outcome that you can talk about in this, how uh, any success study of the projects that have been undertaken? We've had over 2 million plastic utensils diverted from the waste stream thus far through just a couple of our plastic utensil projects. And so that's that's one success that we um, have been able to mm-hmm. track really well. And that's yeah, great because, you know, a lot of these projects are really traceable. Once you get it going, yes. you know, it's easy to see after, you mm-hmm. know, one, two, five years, how much plastic has actually been diverted from the waste stream. Yes, right. So, Christian, there are a couple of factors which come into picture. One is our awareness towards refraining from the use of single-use plastics specifically. The other is the manufacturers who produce this plastic and to package uh, package it with the different goods that they manufacture. And the third is the policies that are there right now. So, how can all these three things align to you know, reduce the dependency? What can be done right now or what what is being done right now? So for me personally, I think the most important thing is influencing the second factor you mentioned there, which is the companies producing the plastic and influencing them by voting with our dollars. Hmm. And so when possible, and of course, everyone has their own financial constraints that they have to deal with. But yes. But within those, when possible, mm. everyone everyone has a space where they can vote for mm-hmm. the right thing with their purchases, um, even if it's not every time. And so really just paying attention to like what's out there and, and thinking about what you're spending your money on because, mm. you know, for instance, the third factor that you mentioned policy is is really powerful. However, it's a lot slower moving Hmm. and, and the results actually like from implementation, even of policy to the, uh, what you could call noticeable impact Yes, is often even a a fairly lengthy timeframe. So as, as wonderful as policy is, it's really, there is more of a backstop and and mm. can kind of help you know solidify the change that right. you're making but i think really focusing on market-based solutions and and driving the incentive mm. toward producing better materials polluting less creating products that are uh, more equitable for mm. the planet and society yes and and I think it, it can be challenging as a consumer, but at the end of the day, that's where collectively the most power is. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. What are some other things that can be done to reduce our dependency on plastics? I think that on the day to day, 
You know, mm. I mentioned my bottle, my my yes. coffee mug. I've also got a utensil kit that I carry with me everywhere mm. I go. And uh, I try and shop as much as I can bulk food, uh, you know, buying and using my own containers. And yes. uh, I've found that especially where I live, there can be a really great correlation between shopping for healthy, fresh food and getting food that's not in plastic. Mm. Uh, I know that's not always the case everywhere, but I think that's another area where you can really connect yes. like the positive personal benefits to the mm. environmental benefits. Mm. And yeah, I think it's, you know, that those are the, the really big areas. And then, you know, there's just so much of the plastic that we deal with comes from the food system in one way or another. And so, as you mentioned, you know, food from home being, you know, 20 years ago, the main way that people got food, I think, you know, that's like doing more things ourselves again is, yes. is also a big way to avoid plastic, mm. uh, which is maybe not, not the easiest solution, but it helps. <laughs> yeah. On one side, the life has been convenient, but, uh, how much effort does it take to get your own thing? So <laughs> it's also about that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the convenience, right? And so that's why it's, you know, it's like we've said, it's a multifaceted approach. It comes down mm. to consumers, it comes down to policy, and it comes down to companies and innovation and finding yes. that inter intersection where it yes. becomes, you know, solutions become, become realistic. Mm. Right what things are being done right now what activities are being done right now for uh, removing or reducing the ocean plastic pollution so there, there's a couple projects out there focused on getting plastic out of the ocean however hmm. from, from the research that i've done and sort of my understanding of the space i don't think that removing plastic from the ocean is really a great approach mm -hmm. there's a few projects that are trying to, for instance, create some really technologically advanced devices to clean the oceans, yes. clean up the Pacific garbage patch. And mm. I believe that that is really misguided and that the vast amount of resources that have been allocated towards projects like that are just another piece of evidence mm. that many of the, the biggest players, you know, the large corporations in the world are looking for a band-aid type solution or mm. reasons for people to feel like they can continue consuming and continue with business as usual because well if you know we're going to clean this if we can clean this up out of the ocean then why do we have to change our behavior now mm. you know if we can just fall back on on that sort of solution and so i'm really much more interested in upstream solutions and that's physically upstream but also sort of you know in a, in a mm -hmm. not so physical sense like upstream of the issue and so that's where i think more of our energy should be focused but mm -hmm. if you if you want to look at an area where plastic is physically being removed from the waterways and from and from the environment uh have you heard of mr trash wheel in baltimore no. So Mr. Trash Wheel is a really awesome project and it's being replicated in a number of places now. Mm -hmm. And it, it takes advantage of, you know, the fact that in a lot of places we have rivers that end up getting 
stuffed with plastic pollution. Yes. And and there is an opportunity to stop that before it heads out into the sea. Mm. And so um, we actually work with some folks in the Philippines and are looking at solutions in the Pasig River, which is really polluted there. Um, but that's, I think, where where there's a lot of um, opportunity and potential mm. is okay. more more of those types of mm. of operations to keep yeah. the you know that trash out of the ocean rather than trying to go get it. So preventing future troubles. Yeah. Right, right. That's great, Christian. Thank you so much for sharing your insights, being a part of the show and uh, talking about your experiences and uh, sharing with our audience what can be done to reduce our dependency on plastic and some ideas on what can be done in future as well. You're very welcome, Rahan. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, Christian. All the best with uh, Plastic Tides and I hope a lot more people become more aware about it and um, take action in their life. Yes, yes. And uh, and please reach out to us. Uh, yeah, how can people reach out to you? So you can find us at Plastic Tides across social media and our website is plastictides.org yeah and you can reach out to us uh with regard to becoming a mentor or if you know a young person uh or you are a young person who is interested in connecting with us and getting support for a project in your school or community that's gonna solve plastic pollution or climate change issues at the source upstream uh, for lasting change that's what we're all about so Wonderful. Yeah. That's awesome. And yes, listeners, that's the end of the episode. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for giving your time and taking in some amazing insights from Christian. I hope you'll be back for the next episode where I'll be talking more about being the change, more about what it takes to bring a change in yourself and the people around you. This is Rohan Thakar signing off. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, EPLog Media website or your favorite podcast streaming apps. Make sure to comment and rate the podcast. Let other people know. Share these bites with your friends so that they can also be inspired to bring a change in their own lives. Goodbye.